it is that time of the week where you get to listen to the Unbalanced Note podcast. Very excited about this uh, episode. Uh, we've been here a while. We're we're keep we're keeping on. We're trucking on. We're talking about music on this podcast. And yes, folks, it finally happened. We have our own Spotify channel. You can listen to the Unbalanced Note on Spotify now. We're sponsored. We're sponsored. That's well not. As, uh, that's not what that means at all, is it? Not yet. We we have to pay for that. Not necessarily. No, no, no. We have to pay for that. We, we have to create the illusion that we're getting already getting ripped off by Spotify. An they, illusion, you know they're my, they're my favorite. <laughs> I, I, for one, am excited. We're very excited. Uh, we, we have also, arrived. We, we, have we arrived? We've it's on the here. internet. It's on the internet. In the internet. We're on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I'm Brian Kluger with BoomstickComics.com, HighDefDigest.com, and of course, I'm with... Uh, my my Aaron Neville to uh, Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> Which one am I? I would be either of them. <laughs> I, I love that song. I do too. Uh, Jacob, a, God, Jacob Douglas man. is here, ladies and gentlemen. What Howard. a fucking great! What a great couple right there, dude. It, what a compliment. A compliment. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 good. It, we we mentioned that because huh. our main feature today is Linda Ronstadt. All Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> Badass. A pioneer woman rocker. Uh, we're going to talk about her extensively today. We're going to do a music question, and of course, we have some music news. My that, favorite, my yeah, favorite, right here. Jacob loves music news because he just he gets excited. I just like to hear the horrible stuff. You like to hear the horrible stuff? Well, yeah, I don't. Sometimes I do. So, sometimes I like good news too. Believe it or not, I hope so. I hope so. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get to Linda Ronstadt in a little bit, but it's good to be here, folks. I'm glad you're listening. And let's start off with some music news today. Uh, let, let's, just, let's just jump right in, and we're going to jump into a Spotify story. Oh, well. Eminem's, Eminem Publisher, the, the, the company that published Eminem's songs, hit Spotify with huge copyright infringement lawsuit. Spotify is being sued for allegedly having no license to stream over 200 of Eminem's songs. So interesting. Yeah, the 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 lawsuit claims that there's about 250 of his songs, his biggest hits, uh, that Spotify has not accounted uh, to or paid for these streams. So I don't understand how that happened. I'm surprised Eminem has 250 songs. That's a lot. <laughs> no, think about it. Think about it. It's like 15 albums plus a soundtrack or two. Yeah, but 250 is a lot. It's. I wonder how why it took them so long, though. It's not like they just put them on there three days ago. Those have been on there for a long time. Well, so that's where you have to think like, okay, he's streaming the songs. There had to be a deal reached. They know about it. But if he's not getting paid, wouldn't... Somebody as big as Eminem and his people. Dude, that's what I'm saying. If be it, like, hey, Spotify, you owe us money, and them just not paying. Think about it. If Eminem, is, if Eminem is having a problem with them, imagine if you and I had to deal with them. It, so, it would cost us even more money. So it's interesting. According to the lawsuit, the songs were placed under a licensing category called copyright control, a designation given to songs with an unknown copyright owner. The complaint then calls it absurd that Spotify would be unable to locate the copyright owner of Eminem. Yeah, well, why? I mean, why would they? They thought they could just probably get away with it. That's crazy, though. Good for Eminem, <laughs> or so, good for his 
these people. So now it comes a point of when, how long has it been going on? Yeah. How much is he owed? Oh, I bet and they, how much are they suing for plus punitive damages? I, when I said, I, when I was like, man, I wonder how long it's taken or why it's taken them so long to pursue it. Right. I bet they just sat there and waited. They're like, well, let's wait. Let's wait till these songs get to like 200 million streams. Right. You know, then it's like, well, there's a paper trail. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Cause, Cause then they just say to Spotify, Oh wait, so these numbers aren't accurate. Well, so like, who's so, responsible for this? Like, that's what somebody I'm at Spotify, who is going to take the fall? It's a bad side? business model, man. Like, it's kind of like, it would be, the only thing I can kind of compare it to is like the, uh, think of like a, like a used record, right? Right. If you, like, if you go buy a used record from an artist, they're not getting any money from no, it. No, they're not getting any money. You know what I mean? So that when the Spotify thing happened, then it's like, you're giving away something that already kind of doesn't even physically exist. You know, like it's just... It's, You're paying for radio. Yeah, data content. You know what I mean? But it's like you, you can't... They're not generating that money across the board to be able to pay people what they should be paid because it's it's all bullshit. Well, I'd imagine, you know... Like Na- like like Napster, right? Right. Well, Napster you didn't pay for. I know, that's Spotify, what I'm saying. Spotify you pay for and it's generated by Steam. So you go into a contract with an artist who's like, okay, if you generate this many streams, you get this X amount of money. No matter if it's a high end or a low end, you are guaranteed this money. And now Spotify put Eminem's songs into a category like we can't find the copyright owner, so we're not paying him. But somebody smart probably works at Spotify and said, oh, it's Eminem. I can look up literally probably on the internet right now who owns his rights to his music. Yeah. Okay, there it is. Like, how did that not happen? Fucking, who knows, man? It does, it's... It's I, a fucked up, it's a, the whole thing is fucked. The whole thing about, crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm ex- I am for one excited that we are on Spotify. <laughs> no, I, we are on Spotify. How, however. <laughs> there is always that They're fucked, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> and now, oh, just no, like that, we're not on Spotify anymore. How incredible <laughs> would that be, though? That'd be insane. What if we get they, an email? Get monetized, right? Is that what it's that that what they call it? Yeah, monetized. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Need you? <laughs> Al Gore invented the internet. He did, and everyone loves him. So it's Al Gore. But yeah, I don't know, man. Spotify is wacky. It's uh, they have a lot on their plate. So let's move on to a different bit of news. <laughs> they have a lot. On yeah, their plate. they do. Let's let's move on to another bit of news that I'm sure to. Cap, uh, capture the heart of Jacob. It's about Taylor Swift. Whew. Taylor Swift plans to re-record her back catalog to regain control of her masters. Oh yeah, because that fucking dude. Uh, <laughs> they yeah, that's what's his name, Spencer something. Right. Uh, fuck. He he like bought he bought the shit just to fuck with her. Scooter Braun. Yeah, that's it. Scooter Braun. That's it. And yeah, you, like for like three hundred million dollars <laughs> or something like that. Like she doesn't. She doesn't own any of her music now, right? So who sco- cares? Scooter- Fucking goddamn Taylor Swift, man. She's still around. The, so the other thing that I like. So I'm. Cur- I have another question for this this thing. However, Taylor Swift was trying to um, copyright sayings in the English language that were like her song names, but the song names were not like something unique. It was like "I love you." Yeah, it's like Gene, fuck you, Gene you know? Simmons. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But okay, so pl- let's let's talk Taylor Swift. 
plans to re-record her back catalog to regain control of her masters. Can this be the start of something bigger? Like, let's see, she does this and she records her back catalog and she'll only release this. And then she's control of her masters. What if everybody starts doing this? Well, people have done that. Ozzy, Ozzy did that with the uh, Blizzard of Oz and Dire. But not just remaster. You have to go back he, and no, re-record. They, they re-recorded the bass and the drums because Sharon didn't want to pay the original people on it. Okay. So she had their they she had them wiped from the from the re-release that they did. Okay. They remastered it, wiped them out, and then re-recorded the bass and the drums with different players. It's crazy. So she didn't have to pay them. But yeah, people have I know people have had to have done shit like that before. But fucking goddamn. I mean how awesome would that have been when Kanye went up there, right, and, like, stopped her speech? Yeah. If, if he would have, like, Stone Cold put her Stunner. Stunner, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, boom. Bam. I wish she would just go away, man. I don't get it. Like. I don't get it either. I, I'm maybe it's because we're not teenage. We've never been teenage girls. Well, even that, when we were teenage girls once, there was good music back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of crap. But still decent. Yeah. Mary well, I mean, Brooks. she does write her own music, they say. Like, I don't know if that's just a thing to where it's like, oh, it's, it, it's hip. You know, she writes her own music. But the music still could be bad. Oh, it is. Yeah, there you go. Like, the, even I, when Ryan Adams did, re, did that album of hers, that yeah. 1989. Right. For a brief moment, you know, I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I really am. I like him a lot. Oh, that's fine. But I, so I bought it and I listened to it and I was like, oh, this is kind of good. And then the more I listened to it, I just was like, this is a, this, this music's making me uncomfortable. There you go. Cause I started to, I started to think that maybe I was getting infiltrated, you know, by like the, the Amazon takeover thing. Like yeah. They, they, they were in my head, you know, it was like, these people are making me listen to Taylor Swift now. What the fuck am I doing? Right. I had to reevaluate, reassess what was going on and reset. Yeah. No, I. It was scary. I was frightened by what I saw. I I had a brief glimpse into the future, and I did not like it. No, I. I, I was attending a T Swift concert, and I was calling her T Swift. T Swift. Yeah, I had a sign and everything. I was a fan. Swifty T. I'm just kidding. None of that's true. I know you were there. I know you like it. Jeffrey Epstein might have been there. For what reason? Yeah. To listen to the music? He was fishing. He was fishing. He was he was making a list and checking it twice. God, that's fucked up. Epstein's what kind of music list. you think that guy listened to? Taylor Swift, I bet. Oh my god. No, I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I can imagine him listening maybe to classical, but also... Abba. Ugh, god, that's creepy. That's what I'm saying. It would have to be something the creepy Care like Bears that. The song? Yeah. Happy, uh. happy birthday on repeat. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 fucking man, that's a wild story right there. That man. is crazy. Fucking fuck that guy too. He he killed himself allegedly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to, to believe. You always have really. to believe what they tell you. Right. Correct. All right. Let's move on from Taylor Swift and talk about Soul Train. Woo! Soul Train. There's going to be a musical inspired by Soul Train. Oh, cool. Quest Love is going to executive produce the Broadway play about the show Soul Train. Is it like, I hope they just stick to one decade. Like if, 
you know, the early, the 70s one? No, I, I think that's the plan. And I guess uh, we'll follow the story of Don Cornelius. And I guess Cornelius, Don's son, Tony, will be producing as well with Questlove. Dude, that sounds cool, man. No, dude, that might be the best-selling soundtrack Broadway of all time. It'll beat the boss? <laughs> you think so? I don't know. But at 50th anniversary coming up of Soul Train, and that's it's insane, but that's... Hey, they should make a Broadway also of Showtime at the Apollo. Oh my goodness! Just have the the cane out there. Yeah, and, I was like when the white they, the white dude would go out on the stage, right? Because the crowd that ominous just the brew would happen. Yeah. like it's and then it would be real quick as soon as they started. Yeah, they either fucking loved it or they, they hated, hated it. it. Yeah. yeah, it was instantaneous. I can't imagine playing on that stage. I could. Would you I, do it? Fuck yeah, I would do it. Because either way, I'd be like, all right, at least they're listening. You think Leonard Skinner would get on that stage and blow everybody away? If they got up there, they would. Played Freebird? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the the Soul Train, I mean, it's going to feature music, of course, from Sly and the Family Stone, James Brown, Tina Turner, Jackson 5, Curtis Mayfield. I mean, Jesus Christ. That's all, well, yeah, dude. <laughs> that's gonna be one hell of a that's another musical. fucked up story too the Curtis Mayfield thing remember that when the scaffolding fell on him he oh, was performing yeah. it paralyzed him right fuck that's crazy yes man that'll be kick ass there's gonna be some badass costumes on that motherfucker let's uh let's right? hope big disco pants and shit Jacob we should go to New York and see this on Broadway I would go to that let's do it I also saw that there's a Tina Turner one which Tina Turner play plays there? Pray. It's a, and it's a girl. It's like a little bitty girl, like a nine or ten year old. Is it playing her young? Yeah, up? it's called like Young Tina or something like that. All right. Yeah. Is, is there a young Ike? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. Ike Turner is one of those people where like he's always kind of been old. <laughs> he was never a kid. No, he wasn't. You know what I mean? Because he was, he, well, I mean, obviously he was a kid, but he was doing, he was making, doing, he was in the music business in like the 50s. Yeah, no, he was where Barry Gordy was, too. Dude, right? I love, man, Ike Turner is a fucking badass, dude. He's like one of the most <laughs> underrated guitar players of all time. Really? He's Ike a Turner. really fucking good guitar player. Very, very interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, the Stones did a tour in, like, 1970. Yeah. 1971, maybe. Probably 1970. The Get Your Ya Out album. Okay. The one with Charlie. Charlie's on the front of it. There's a goat. Or not a goat, a donkey, holding their equipment. It's got yes. like a drum and a yeah, guitar yeah. around him. Uh, on that tour, the openers were B.B. King, Stevie Wonder, and Ike and Tina Turner. All right. Yeah. And I, there's great footage of it. But yeah, Ike Turner was a bad motherfucker, man. I mean, out of control. You know, like, did some questionable shit. But... The artist was good. Dude, he was, man, incredible. Incredible guitar player. Is he still alive? No, he's dead. He's dead? When did he die? I don't remember. I just know he's dead. All right. You have me second-guessing myself, though, so I'm going to look it up. You're going to look it up? I'm pretty sure he is. Ike Turner? I don't remember. I can't remember. We're going to find out. The E.K. Ike Turner. Born in what? The 30s? Well, if... Yeah, here we go. Yeah, he died in 2007. Oh, so he's been dead a while. But yeah, you had just it was one of those things where I was like, man, damn it, I don't know if it, I don't know if he's right or not. Yeah, so he started in 1951. He was born in 1931. 
Oh, Jesus. So I was saying, like, when he was doing the thing, I mean, he was 40 in the thing I was just talking about. Okay. With yeah. the stones. You okay. Know, he was much older. He was 20 years older than him. So he was always an old man. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, Ike Turner's one of those people. It's like the same thing with, uh, I don't know, like Kenny Rogers. Like, he just always look. he always just look, look always old. Always like the old uncle, old yeah. grandfather. Like Gene Wilder, even. Like, he kind of never really looked young. What about Clint Eastwood? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I wouldn't... Clint Eastwood, he looked... He was young at one point. All right. Looked, he looked youthful, at okay. least. But he always had that seasoned look. You know, it seems right. like... Like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> the actor? <laughs> he was acting as if he was a politician. There you go. He fooled everyone. All right. Moving on to another bit of news. The Three Six Mafia have announced reunion shows. Oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah. Uh, pretty, cra- pretty crazy. Juicy J Project and DJ Paul have announced a series of Three Six Mafia reunion shows after performances at One Music Fest in Atlanta. So they'll be joined by Gangsta Boo for a concert just outside of their hometown in Memphis. Uh... DMX and Bone Thugs and Harmony will also perform there. Damn, DMX? Oh, shit. <laughs> if he doesn't get arrested before then. Dude, I, man, 3-6 Mafia, I remember like when, in, when I was in middle school. Yeah. I kind of gravit, like, I kind of started to listen in to like hip-hop and rap. And for, I gravitated towards them for some reason because their covers, like their album covers, yeah. they were always real fucked up. They had skulls on them and stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, 3-6 Mafia. Like, okay. I mean, they, they have this weird, like, almost like a metal band No, type all of mystique. the 3-6 Mafia stuff had, like, a metal image. like the Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I was into that, you know. I was like, dude, that fucking looks spooky. I like that. So, and then you listen to it, and it's, it's real funny, and it's all about fucking getting head and, yeah. you know, licking, licking clits and shit. 3-6 Mafia are Oscar winners <laughs> for Hustle and Flow. They have Oscars. Damn, good. Academy Awards. I remember when they were on Jackass. Yeah, oh, um, they were pay, paying somebody so to they eat, eat shit. Eat shit and horse semen. Yeah. And they, one of them vomited. Well, and yeah, DJ yeah. Paul threw up. Yep. Uh, three Six Mafia. I can't imagine going to a Three Six Mafia. I could. DMX. And, no. And Bone Thugs and Harmony, which I love Bone Thugs and Three Six Mafia. I mean, I guess in DMX. But it's... I can't imagine because I would love to go. I... I I would, I would, it'd be better to go now than then. Like in the, if we would have went in 1998. Right. Might not have made it. <laughs> I wonder if 3-6 Mafia would do what Bomb Dylan did and have like a stand just for their Oscars when they go out and play. <laughs> Dude, I like, man, three, that's awesome. Yeah, 3-6 Mafia. Only in show. Memphis though? Uh, so far, just in Atlanta, Georgia, Newark, New Jersey. Dude, that ain't, and Atlanta, Georgia is not a far drive. And, uh, South Haven, Mississippi. That's even closer. It's crazy. So, wonder if they'll get the itch. Dude, I got, I think I got the itch to go to Mississippi. Missis- the mighty Mississippi. <laughs> the old, old, the old man. And the old man. The old river. <laughs> Uh, yeah, dude. So Atlanta, Georgia, it starts September 7th, which is only in a few months. And then that's like a few weeks. Oh, that's you're right. That's a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Man, 
Dude, where's my car? <laughs> Dude, that one, that sweet. one, didn't that that won a bunch of awards somehow. I bet it did. Um, our last bit of news before we move on to our one hit wonder: uh, John Coltrane's 1964 album "Blue World" gets first ever released. Release, um, released, released. Uh, came out or was recorded the same year as "A Love Supreme," but "Blue World" has never been released before. Now it is getting released. Um, it is a 37-minute session, which is interesting. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm always up for new stuff I've never heard of. Cold Better train. to find some opium, smoke some opium and listen to that. Yes, please. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Well, they put out, you know, like a couple of last record store day. There was that, um, I don't know, maybe it was just around record store day. It was like an unreleased previous album that had, that had come out. They did that soundtrack one I bought. From Record Store Day of him. Nope, that wasn't him, was it? No, I don't think so. This was like orange, and it had two triangles cut into it. It was a 12-inch. It, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. Mm. I would think it was called, like, In Both Directions Oh, no, wait, it was like the that. soundtrack, LeChant Dansley Sack. Oh, I didn't know that was him. That was him. I do have that. I was right. Fuck. You're always right. Uh, don't listen to me. I'm only right about Ike, Ike Turner being uh, Ike dead. Ike Turner. He's, he's Ike Turner. He, he did die a while ago. <laughs> A while back. Oh, my God. He made it a long time, though. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of news. Uh, again, not too much crazy stuff. I don't know what else is coming out, really, music-wise, that I would be excited for. Man, I feel like I saw something the other day. Uh, I mean, oh, I will say for it's video. A new, it's a new Neil Young album. Oh, I did hear about this. Yeah, called Colorado. Right. And we will talk about a little bit of Neil Young with uh, Linda Ronstadt. We could talk about a lot of Linda Ronstadt with Neil Young. Correct. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Mondo Records. They are releasing the video game soundtrack of Metal, Metal Gear Solid. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. That game's badass. Yes. So that's a highly anticipated soundtrack. Should be cool. That is coming out very soon. Go to MondoTees.com. Hey, did you ever order, order that? Uh, it was the El Topo figure? Remember? We, oh, the three hundred dollar statue. Was that how much it was? Or maybe it was more than that, seven fifty or something like that. That was from Mondo, right? Yes. Yeah. I did not do that. Yeah, I didn't get one. It was awesome though. It was badass. Uh, I did not get that. I did, was, didn't they make a Holy Mountain one too? I only remember that statue. We should do a whole fucking show about him sometime. We can, and the music that was in that. Yeah, that music's phenomenal. I have that. I, that's him. Is that Alejandro? Yeah. I guess that is Alejandro. Oh, well, a lot of it is. Yeah. So I have the soundtracks here. Both of them? <laughs> I think I have both Holy Mountain and El Topo. I'm the, pretty sure. For the sure Dance of Reality soundtrack is pretty good, too. So I, didn't have, I didn't get that. I do know there that documentary about them, about the um, uh, Dune one. There's a soundtrack to that, too. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Jodorowsky's Dune. Dune yeah, yeah, there's a soundtrack for that. I've, I've seen it. Mondo does some fucking killer shit. Like, I think I have their... They did Reanimator. They did do Reanimator. They They're, they also I think are the ones who did Monster Squad, the forty five. They did. Yeah. And the regular one too. They did that. And so recently they just put out Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode Once More with Feeling. Oh yeah, I think you showed me that. Yeah, last time I was. Uh, here. They've been doing a lot of John Carpenter stuff, which I have. Doom do 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 do. Yep. Me and Mark you remember Mark that used to work up at Good Records? Yes. He's a big John Carpenter fan, and uh, me and him would be listening to him sometimes. We'd be working together, 
And I had this like realization one day. We were me and Mark were in the store doing something, and I just kind of stopped what I was doing. We were listening to like Assault on Precinct soundtrack, and uh, this thing just happened in my head. I was like, man, it really just sounds like he's practicing. No, it is like over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> like he gets to the yeah, and it's just that. Yeah, yeah, all of the soundtracks. No, yeah, they're, they're all the same. Yeah, it's like it, like I was humming the uh, "They Live" soundtrack. It's bow, bow, and it's just that yeah. for an hour. Roddy Roddy Piper walking. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's but yeah, it was funny. I told I said Mark, I was like, dude, it just sounds like he's he just hit he just got a recorder and hit record on right. it and he's recording his practices. Yep. The Coupe de Ville's Big Trouble Little China. That music's so perfect though. It like is if, if any other music would have been in those movies, I don't think it would have been the same. So I would like to mention this again if you listen to our show My Bloody Podcast. Uh, this week we talked about John Carpenter. He was brought on to score the next two Halloween films again. So with Rob Zombie? No, no, no. So they remade Halloween recently with Jamie yeah. Curtis. So they're doing two sequels. John Carpenter did the music for the last one, so he's bringing him and his son aboard for the next two. So John Carpenter and his son. Who's directing these? Um, so the last one was David Gordon Green, who did Joe and Pineapple Express. Danny McBride. Yeah, he, I remember he was a producer on it. Yeah, so I think he's doing the next two as well. It's not Fred Durst. God no. Uh, I, so we have to mention this as well. That's music news. I ha- I have the screen. I haven't watched it yet. I plan on watching it tomorrow morning. Uh, but there's a movie called Fanatic starring John Travolta and Devin Sawa out of nowhere, and it's directed by Limp Bizkit's own Fred Durst, and it looks like it looks incredible. It, oh my goodness! So I guess. John Travolta is a huge movie fan, and he's obsessed with this action star played by Devin Sawa, and it goes into very dark horror territory with an obsessed fan, which is John Travolta. And Fred Durst directed it, so I, I have no idea what I, to expect. Me neither. Like I, I, It would have made more sense if it said that Fred Durst had written it. No, he wrote it, too. He oh, wrote I thought and he directed said, it. Oh, geez, no, he wrote and directed it. Golly, that's... What if it somehow is like the best movie ever? It's not going to be. You, Devin Sawa, dude. Come on. Devin Sawa hasn't been in anything since that's what I'm, that, Eminem's video. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Though. No, it, out of nowhere. Could probably Look, Fred it, Durst finance it himself. It's going to reinvent. It's like what Pulp Fiction did for Travolta. It's going to happen again. It's not. going to happen again with this movie. <laughs> oh, my. Travolta hasn't been in a good movie in a long time. What's but again, the, I wonder how. what is the connection there. With what? Well... Okay, if you, if you let's just take a piece of paper and write down Fred Durst, John Travolta, Devin Sawa, and then somehow make those all connect. That's Fred, that's what I'm saying. Fred Durst wrote a script, and Travolta's super inexpensive. Devin Sawa is even less expensive than that. He was like, "Hey, we're gonna make a movie." Yeah, but that's what I'm saying though. How to even have thought of those two people though? Like maybe Fred Durst is a genius. Well, he probably loves John Travolta, and he probably met Devin Sawa somewhere along the way. That's just is so rare. I'd like, I need to know. <laughs> I need to know. Fred, if you're listening, we've got a red hat for you. Come I'd rather much talk to Devin Sawa. Mm-mm. No way, dude. I want to talk to the, the, the mind behind the madness. 
maybe uh, Fred and Devin are in Scientology. You, did I ever? Do you know the story of the? Van, I think we talked about it on the Van Halen uh, episode. What story? That Eddie and Eddie briefly considered like playing with Limp Biscuit. Yes, you did tell me that. Okay, so that's even weirder. Like and they hung out together. Like, I just want to say we talk. I mean, nobody likes Limp Biscuit. Don't say that. A lot of people like them. But Limp Biscuit was a product of perfect timing, where in a time where rock and roll was dead, you had this group come out and, in their own way, do a different brand of rock and roll, and it just hit the chord, kind of like Kid Rock, like. Kid Rock went a different direction, but Limp Biscuit was like hardcore rock for people of that generation that they hadn't had before. Because in the eighties, you really had no rock. What? I mean, you did, but like it was a different kind of rock where girls were wearing khakis and oversized coats and mid. I don't know. It was weird, and they became popular with wrestling and Undertaker. Like it is crazy. They just became so popular that everybody wanted a piece of that money and be a part of it. And then people realized, like, Jesus Christ, what are we doing? Yeah. Even their own bandmates never didn't like them. My, all my peers, man, I had this friend when I was uh, a kid, like elementary school, all through high school. His name was TJ. And he loved Limp Biscuit, man. Like, and he kind of played guitar a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, dude, how do you fucking like this shit? Like... This, what do you? What about it? Do you like? You know, and he he never really could tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I think that's a lot of people. Like, I think it's kind of the same thing with like, I don't know. It, it's a nowhere near the level of like you know the Beatles, right? But for <laughs> but listen, no, hear me out though. For a brief moment though, like Creed, it was everywhere. No, you couldn't it, get away from it. Couldn't. And Limp Biscuit was the same thing. It was like no, it they how in the fuck did they do it? They had that album, their first album, and they re-recorded Faith by George Michaels and made it like a hardcore song in certain parts. That music always made me laugh. No, it made me laugh too. And I, I will be the first to admit that I have on my computer Nookie, My Way, Rollin'. Like, because when I listen oh, to it... Oh, Rollin' that keep rolling, rolling. That was the Undertaker's theme song for the American Badass. But... You look at it and you think like, oh God, I'm listening to this now only because I remember there was a point in time where MTV was still doing music videos and it was everywhere. People were dressing like them. Oh yeah. At, like they were a brand almost instantly. Dude, those red hats sale, red hat sales went through the roof. No, yeah. Red when hats that, turned they... around. The oversized coat. When did it even make sense? Like, wasn't it a red New York Yankees hat? Yes. It, it doesn't, no, it doesn't make no. sense. Like, I'm going to have a purple. And it te- was like a, I need a purple Texas Rangers jersey. It was like jersey. one of those puffed out blue coats. And then he had khakis sagging. To put it into perspective, at that same time, that exact same moment in time, Axl Rose had micro braids. <laughs> It, people so, are trying, just folks. So we can all realize how horrible the late 90s, probably from 1997 to about 2002, Yep, you could maybe argue that that's the worst five years maybe in music history. But Limp Bizkit was super popular into 2000, 
I guess what, 2000, is it 2002 or do you think? I don't know. I'm just saying that, that five year period from, from 1997 to 2002, if you look at the amount of shit that came out that, that was popular. Right. Like the people lost their minds. It's unfucking believable. Right. They made a lot of money. Well, but no, just even those songs like the fucking, that Abercrombie and Fitch song. That stupid. Oh my god! I like I girl, but I'm I saying like like all that movies. all that crap came out right then in yeah. that five year period. It was just fucking bullshit after bullshit after bullshit. Right. It was like if you wrote a song that was good, it wasn't gonna make it because that's not what was going. It's like we need these really stupid. We idiots. need a song that sounds. I did it all for the nookie. Yes. So you can take that stupid, cookie and stick it up your ass. Stupid idiot. Legit music. verbatim lyrics. Stupid. <laughs> Music by stupid idiots for stupid idiots. Uh, oh but it was goodness. everywhere. It, it was, was everywhere. and it was across all spectrums of music. It wasn't just regulated to the rock category. Right. I mean you had then you had got into country and then that was like the the red Toby Keith. Right. You know what I mean? You're like, what the fuck? Like what is this? Is country music? And then on the other side, then what you could talk about like Nelly and Ludacris. It's getting hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what in the fuck is this? No, it, there was a time in music. We're still a, a stupid time in music now. So no, I'm telling you, that five-year period, though, right there, I, I would say that's the worst. I would take that over any Taylor Swift or um, Bongs and Bentleys guy. Oh, fucking Post Malone. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're also not in a high right now either. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Bit of news is over for this week's... Boo! Unbalanced. No, boo! I was saying boo earns. <laughs> boo earns. Boo Everything's earns. coming up, Jacob. <laughs> um, we're going on to the one-hit wonder. One hit. This, this one was recorded in 1991 and was released May 7th, 1992. I still can't figure out what this song is about. Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back. What oh, does it, my God. What does it mean? What does it mean? This was a hip-hop song. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like Limp Biscuit? Like Limp Biscuit. Uh, it appeared on the album Mac Daddy. And, uh, yeah, it's basically... Uh, it, it caused a lot of controversy back then because it's talked about women and having big butts. Women. Specifically about big, big butts. Big tookuses. Um, It was banned by MTV for a little bit, which is weird. Yeah, but then the people were like, we need those butts on that screen. And I want you to to know, Baby Got Back was the second best-selling song in the U.S. in 1992. Do you know what number one was? I like big butts. No. This Baby Got Butt Back was. Oh. It was the second best-selling song. Oh, I'm sorry. I misheard what you said. Yeah, so I, I just got really high. <laughs> <laughs> I, held that, I held the button down too long. <laughs> the drugs are taking effect, folks. All, dude, I've been on drugs. You know that. I do. I do. I, now I got some new ones going through me. There you go. Some real, real medical-grade shit. Medical... <laughs> Some of it even comes in a bag. That's crazy. It's not uh, in a bag, baby. N- uh, the other number one song from 1992. No, well, there's this. Uh, baby got back with the second be- best-selling song. What was the first from 1992? Give me a hint. Oh, you will never come close. Well, Titanic didn't come out then, did it? No. Okay. We've talked about them today for a second. 
It better not be Limp Bizkit. It's not. I it's not, not 92. I don't know. who. What is it? It was Boys to Men. Oh, End fuck. of the Road. Yeah. <laughs> Was number one. What a what a what a great swing. <laughs> End of the road. They're, they're both love songs. They are both love songs. Well, one's a breakup song, isn't it? Well, like, what End is of that? the road. We got to the end. one's a yeah, funeral. Yeah, it's like a song. breakup song or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, it's the end. End of the road. The other one's just loving something specific. Lo- a specific part. <laughs> yeah. Both cheeks. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I just remember the music video where he's walking across the big butt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's that's got what the, it was. He's got the fucking uh, the oh, shape. So he's funny. got the glasses and that fucking wacky hat. It's so good. It, uh, they, Chris Rock made fun of him. He's like, he's like Sir Mix a Lot. He's got a fur coat on, and the girls got uh, bikinis on. What's the weather like in Seattle? Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. So this song debuted at number seventy-five on the Billboard chart. Moved up quick. Twelve weeks later, number one. Yeah, <laughs> and spent five weeks there. <laughs> it's so good, so funny. So the first verse begins, of course, with somebody saying, um, or the first thing, "Oh my God." Becky, Becky look at her butt. Look it's at so, her so it's basically nobody in history publicly said, I like thick girls. I want big butts. The bigger, the better. Everybody was like, I just want model material. You know, it's like. It's I don't know, like, man. This, as famous Freddie as King this, had Freddie King had that song called Big Leg Woman. Freddie King was nowhere near as popular as this. Should have been. Should have been. So, I mean. It's, it's such a funny song because there's lines in it like I'm talk I ain't talking about Playboy because silicone parts are made for toys. I want them real thick and juicy. Yeah, man. So it's just it's, talking about them BBWs, baby. Oh my goodness! It's so the song came from a meeting between Sir Mixalot and Amelia me- Dorsey. This was a meeting of the minds. Yeah, a meeting <laughs> with Amelia Dorsey, who saw little representation of full-figured women in media. The idea came from the 1980s Budweiser commercial featuring very thin Valley Girl-esque models. They decided to dedicate a song to very opposite featuring very opposite women featuring curvy women of color. Oh, of color. Yeah. Well, clearly these people have never heard of the Weather Girls. The Weather Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Cuz they were totally titled Two Tons, Two of, Tons fun. of Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Because they were doing that before 92, buddy, let me tell you. So, uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot said in 1992, the song doesn't just say, I like big butts, yes. you know. The song is talking about women who damn near kill themselves to try to look like these beanpole models that you see in Vogue magazine. So, it's again, it, this song is only about butts. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> big, big, big women. Yeah, big asses, though. It's, oh my God, it's so good. And like... Like, he's not saying baby got front. And, you know, if I backtrack, like, this is, like, the biggest thing to talk about it. I th- Yes, I think it's the big, biggest a, thing. Are you, are you using puns right now? The, the, <laughs> biggest, the biggest person to talk about it publicly. However, for many years, Queen did Fat Bottom Girls. That's what I'm saying. There's been a lot of songs about big asses. But do you think Fat Bottom Girls was bigger than big, I like Now it is. You After that so? goddamn movie came out, you don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it had to have been. Oh my goodness, that butt you got is making me so horny. Uh, <laughs> you could not do that song now. So that me so horny uh, with the 
Asian. That was sampled actually from Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> oh yeah, bu- tu buku, tu tu buku. buku. Me so horny, me so horny. <laughs> like what you see. So Dude, yeah, fucking Sir Mix a Lot did it though. He did. He he went. All I need one. New Zealand loved it. New Zealand was a lot came of, number three. There must be a lot of big big asses down there. There, yeah. Or there's an ass fetish in, in New Zealand. So Jonathan Colton, which I don't know whoever, but Jonathan Colton from Glee, I guess, covered this song in an episode. <laughs> Didn't know this. Well, why would we know that? You watch that show? I do not. I was I was always waiting for the Insane Clown Posse like episode of Glee. It, I would have watched it. Where all of the kids were juggalos in high school. Yeah, wait, no one probably ever does have like a metal, some sort of metal rock moment in that show, huh? They're all like, oh, you guys, you heard this new fucking Amy Grant yeah. song? Yeah. But I was always like, it's like, when's the ICP version coming out? Because I'll watch Riddlebox on yeah. like none the of those, Malenko on there. None of those kids came across Rain and Blood at any point in their, <laughs> yeah. in their high school. Fago at high school lunch? What's happening? Yeah, what the fuck, man? So uh, there's, you know, there's been a ton of parodies of the song. Jamie Foxx parodied the song called "Baby Got Snacks." Didn't Weird Al do one? Uh, did Weird Al do one? I'm not seeing it. It seems that it's that might be too easy for him. Jamie Foxx did it. Dude. Uh, a 2009 Burger King commercial promoting SpongeBob SquarePants featured a toy called "I Lock I Like Square Butts." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Where do I remember? Well, my goodness, the songs in tons of movies, including Charlie's Angels, Shark Tale, Jackass, the movie Scooby Doo Two, Pitch Perfect Two. Are we there yet? Oh my goodness, just. Tons. I'll just that's a, one of the best music videos ever. Because that's how you have fun. <laughs> uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode had recorded a version of the song when Homer, Homer becomes a humongous fat blob, changing the lyrics to "I like big guts and I cannot lie." <laughs> <laughs> oh, so fun. So yeah, 1992. I like big bucks, and so Sir Mixalot. <laughs> Sir Mixalot. Uh, I mean. The guy has made a lot of money. Fuck yeah, he has off of asses, off of other people's big asses. <laughs> but dead. yeah, and he's only made one, two, three, four, five, six albums he since 1988. He could have been, he could have made one, and we'd have all been just fine. Oh, it's so crazy, Swass. I feel like he had another big song though too. Posse on Broadway, my posse's on Broadway, posse up, and then he did, he did, um, what's it called, Return of the Bumpasaurus. Which had the redone version of Jump On It, like Apache. Oh, yeah. But he did it like with area codes. Yeah. So the first verse is all Texas. That's and right. The first is Dallas. Welcome to the 214, Big Big D. And he talks about going to Papados and shit. Did you ever uh, go to, like, did you ever go skating, like skating when oh, you yes. were a kid? You always heard Baby Got Back. Yeah. Come on, that motherfucker, man. Followed by Vogue and Ghostbusters. Oh, people go, they'd lose their shit when fucking Ray Parker Jr. came on. It's so funny, so funny. So that is our one-hit wonder, and before we get to our main event, uh, we're going to do our music question. Oh yeah, this is a good one. So if you could go back in time and be a member of a 90s band, which band would it be, and who would you replace? Jackal. <laughs> I'd be the guy, the dude with the chainsaw. No, Really? I no, fuck no. <laughs> who would it be? I would want to be like Jerry Cantrell. Huh? From Allison Chains. Really? Yeah. 
All right. Because they were, man, they're, they're like one of my favorite bands from the 90s. <laughs> the who would you who what would you who would you replace? I guess maybe am I hearing the question correctly? If you could go back and replace a '90s band, who would you replace, or which band would you go to, and who would you replace? Because you wanted to go there, yeah. Because uh, you wanted, okay. Yeah, I, I I thought for maybe a second I, it was like I was supposed to say Hanson or something, so I could make sure it never happened. No, like make it better. Oh yeah, well, no, I wouldn't have wanted to join to make them better. No, no, I would. I'd have just joined for the. I feel like they had the be- the best like rock and roll thing happening. All right, like they were doing the. They sounded the most original out of a lot of those bands, you know, like okay. the Pearl, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots was another one of my favorites from the '90s. Yeah, it'd be cool to be Scott Weiland. <laughs> lots of lots of poontang. Lots of everything. There you go. Excess. I'll have two of them. But like, is is there like a certain band because you play guitar? Is yeah, that's what I was saying, Jerry okay. Jerry Cantrell. Okay, but I I would not to make them better though, just because I would want to be that I would want be that, that job. Okay, like what a fucking great band to be in. Why didn't you do it? <laughs> I was stupid. <laughs> My alarm didn't go off. All right, there you go. How about you? So hear me out. I have to. I would pick the Backstreet Boys. I, you know what? I knew you were going to say something like that because before I said Hanson, I was going to say Boys to Men. Okay. Because I thought that's where you were going with this question. I would say Backstreet Boys, and I would want to go and just be another member of the band, but I would focus their music way differently into writing their own and be like more of a hardcore rock and then do folk music too. And have it that way. This that sounds absolutely terrifying. What do you? Oh, it could be because Backstreet Boys and NSYNC both have talent. They just never utilize in the good way. Okay, are you fucking with me right now? <laughs> Not fucking with you. I'm really confused. I'm really, really confused. So I. I still feel like I'm not getting the question correctly. <laughs> yeah, this this is the same feeling I was having when I had to stop listening to that Ryan Adams Taylor Swift album. <laughs> no, but I was like, I'm having too much fun with this. Have I get like Backstreet Boys? They're talented, but if you focus them on making their own music, why playing instruments and doing rock and folk? Something like Leonard Skinner could do, but in no, a newer but that generation, abs- that the I cannot believe you just tried to draw a parallel. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to parallel. I'm just saying, like, what they so, are not talented. You answered your own question, but you could look, 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 look. From those two bands you named, only one of Timberlake. Them, only one of them has even attempted to have a, some sort of a solo career. So if you go into early '90s, you could change it. No, I don't. We, we don't. The only change, that's why I was making sure I heard the question right. Because I would join that group just to sabotage it so that I would do the general public okay, a, okay. a service by not having it, I've allowed it to happen. All right, all right. Okay, so if I, if I backtrack so like I can't you do would, it, you I would, just, just to replace somebody, just be part of it. Right. I thought that's what you were asking. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I, I said mine. Then, of course, boys to men, for sure. I would want to be like the bass guy, the guy who sings bass. I'd want to be that guy. You know, another you know, another person I would want to be also would be Dimebag Daryl. Who's that? The guitar player in Pantera. Oh, shit. That's a Dallas band, right? Ar- Arlington. Arlington. But they fucking went 
Like they came out of nowhere. Yeah. And because they were doing, they had been making music right in the eighties. Yeah. But it was like power metal, like yeah. glam, hairspray. Yeah. And then fucking all of a sudden, Cowboys from Hell came out. Bam! They're at the top. Like they just fucking went straight up, and that band was fucking killer. Man. I feel like I would want to be part of the digital underground too. Yeah, that or Wu Tang. Wu Tang. Jesus. There's a lot of great answers, but yeah, I would. Man, my answer would be I would want to be Jerry Cantrell. All right. Or, well, no, because I couldn't be Shannon Hoon from from Blind Melon. Blind Melon. Not a bad band. What are some answers we got? That's that'll All right. Be... We brought it to Reddit. We'll read a couple so of the you, answers. Your real answer is Backstreet Boys. No, my real answer would be Boys to Men if you went from a question. You're but if not I could... the right. No, you couldn't be in that band. No. Why? You're not black. You don't Who's fit. Who's seeing color here? Your name doesn't I don't see color. Your name doesn't even fit the rhyme scheme. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> you can't. That, that You can't. That can't be your answer. Oh, my God. Look, you couldn't go. You, you just couldn't. You would, it wouldn't work. You have to pick a different one. Okay, I have to pick a different one. Yeah. And it's not that I'm seeing color. I'm just being realistic. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to let... The, the You can't be in there. Sorry. Um, in the 90s, I mean, I mean I'm not going to say Nirvana. <laughs> but, no. you, but, but you are? No, I'm not. I don't, I'm not. You can be in Backstreet Boys. I mean, uh, in Boys to Men. I'm just kidding. Okay, good. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I knew that would irritate you. I like Boys to Men. I know you do. BBC. I liked them too. ABC, BBD. All right. People on Reddit. When Pearl Jam ditched Date, uh, date Abruze? Am I saying that yeah, right? the first drummer. Uh, they called me instead. No Chad Irons, no Matt Cameron, just me until the end of time. None of you noticed because the music is guitar driven, but I know and I'm happy. Good point. Penguin would... of Evil said that. That's a good answer. Uh, Harry Balls said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Harry. Harry you, Balls. Hope you're doing all right, Harry. <laughs> Pixies. I would play bass. I play guitar usually and would replace Kim Deal. Not a fan of that band. Sack the Whack. <laughs> Metallica doesn't really count, but I'd replace myself with Lars Ulrich just to kick him out. <laughs> See, that guy got the spirit of the answer, I feel. Yeah, <laughs> That's like, too funny. Well, they wouldn't have made those shitty albums, maybe. Good answer. And then the Who la- was that nut hit? Sack the Whack. Sack the Whack. Same thing. Nut Sack hit. the Whack and Harry Balls. Yeah, nut hit. <laughs> and just another Manic Mandy. <laughs> she sounds hot. I want to be Dave Grohl drumming in Nirvana just <sighs> to sit back and watch them destroy the stage after a set. And that was it. Three answers? One, two, three, four answers. Fuck you people on the internet. Said we have five comments. I'm only seeing four. Fucking A, man. Did we get another one while we were doing this podcast? That would be incredible. No, we didn't, but I We're never going to get any sort of live action. Live action? Oh, We've got to start talking to those porn chicks, man. I'm telling you. We do. Because I, like, I feel like that's just the, that's the ticket, really. Porn? Porn's the answer for everything. It's like the number 42. Answer for everything. <laughs> why, why is it that? Why not? Why not? Yes, we should make sure it's porn. Porn. Why not? Por- <laughs> what was the thing in Scrubs? Uh, if they <laughs> took porn away, 
there would be only one website ever, and it would just be called Bring Back the Porn. All right. We're moving on to our main event, Linda Ronstadt. Linda, is it Linda Maria Ronstadt? Oh, Maria, she's Hispanic. Born 1946. Arizona, she's from Arizona. Yeah, from Tucson. Uh, And Linda Ronstadt, man, this woman just pioneered music in general. She won Grammys not only in rock or pop, but she won Grammys in Latin and like anything else she did, country. Yeah, Christmas. Christmas. (laughs) Anything she touched turned to gold and everybody wanted to work with her. Uh, She is currently 73 years old and unfortunately she had to give up singing uh, years ago because she developed Parkinson's disease, which was very um, unfortunate. It's crazy that that can, that, you know, it controls the muscles in her, you know, I guess her throat and esophagus. Right. It's fucking so fucked up. It's crazy. So she can, she can still talk just like, you know, um, Michael J. Fox can still talk, but it controls his speech too. So she can't like sing like she used to, but, uh, Linda Ronstadt is just an amazing singer and she's, it, it's crazy. So her, her parents uh, were in a bit of the um, music, not industry, but they played music, and she really got into California's 1960s California folk, rock, and country. And uh, she started playing or opening for Neil Young, and it's pretty funny. And like people like the Doors and Jackson Brown, who are just like, man, she's unbelievably good. Yeah, she was. She's great. And so, there is a new documentary out right now, uh, or not out right now. It's not out yet. That focuses on Linda Ronstadt's career, and they interview people like Dolly Parton and Neil Young, and just like all these people who talk about her and how she came up in the business being a woman. And she commanded they, – they compared to Mick Jagger coming out on stage because, like, they all wanted her. They all went crazy for her. And then she would open up for people so people would take turns opening and closing the show because, like, I don't want to follow Linda Ronstadt. Dude, it's well, not going to be good. And she was so exceptionally fucking beautiful. She Yes, like, she oh was. My, she was drop-dead fucking gorgeous, man. And yep. then she starts singing, and you're like, whew. So she did that, but then she got into movies too, and she was in musicals and movies and it, in insane, insane. And so, uh, and she has tons of albums and tons of songs. Have you ever listened to that stuff she did with the Stone Ponies? That's like the no. So yeah, it's the Stone Ponies song, um, "Beat the Drum," right? They've they uh, well, they kind of were like. You know, I always talk about like Poco, you know, the band Poco. Right. They kind of laid the groundwork for the Eagles. Yes. Linda Ronstadt had a huge part in that too. Because that, that Stone Ponies band she did was like, it's country rock, but it was just too, it was too soon. Like people weren't ready for it. Right. But she, yeah, man, that band, well, she doesn't have a fucking bad album. No, she doesn't. Like even the '80s ones, where it's not really my thing. Right. I still would. I still wouldn't mind listening to it because she's got such a fucking great voice. Well, I want you. Uh, she does, and so many people wanted to be with her, and 
make music with her. And so... Yeah, it's all over the place. And one of her things was she just liked going to friends' houses and playing music with them. She wasn't a huge fan of going on stage, even like all through her life. But interestingly enough, in her band was a guy named Don, Don Henley, who yeah. left and was like, okay... I'm going to form this band, the Eagles. Yeah, she fucking did. She, she was responsible for well, that. Well, she taught him how to write songs. Right. And then he goes out. They do their first album, which wasn't really commercially successful. But right after that, it's the Eagles, man. Yeah. One of the biggest, the best, biggest selling bands yeah, they of all just, time. I mean, dude, the Eagles just pulled from Jackson Brown. Right. Luna Ronstadt and Poco. Yeah, this... this it, crazy. But she was like a... You know, she's on, you know, I go back and forth with, like, what's always my favorite Neil Young album. Yeah. But, you know, she's on Harvest. She is on Harvest, and it's interesting because, I guess, so what I what, what was said in this documentary is for that when Neil was going on tour and he was literally just going out by himself. And they told Linda Ronstadt, like, no, we don't need you. He's just going to go about by himself. So, like, a couple weeks into the playing shows, we're like, oh, can you come up out here and help out? Yeah. She's like, okay. She, well, <laughs> dude, she was the show. She probably didn't want her to go because she was going to take away from Neil. No, so that was the thing. You're like, several people have said, like, yeah, we wanted to go on before Linda because if she went on before us. Yeah, it's over. It's over. Like, yeah. we can't. How do you follow Linda Ronstadt? You don't. <laughs> I mean, because she was one of the first big female rockers. Like she was a rock. St- she was well, a rock yeah, she kind of just didn't even probably never even concerned her. I mean, she was so great; it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it was right. She could have been fucking blue and had seven arms. You know, it wouldn't have. It would not have mattered. She in 1978 she became the highest paid uh, woman in rock and roll. Uh, making $12 million in 1978 alone, which is equivalent to $45 million today. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like fucking $30 million now. So in the same year, her album sales were reported to be $17 million, grossing over $60 million. She sold And that's equivalent to over $220 million today. Yeah, I bet she's she's easily sold 100 million albums. Oh, for sure. No doubt about it. So... You know, you're like thinking like, okay, yeah, I love Linda Ronstadt. What are some of her songs? And you're like, how, like, <laughs> um, where did it begin? I mean, you're no good. You're no good. You're no good. That's a great one, right? She, they're all great. They're all, they're, yes, they, they are all great. But we were talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, how we, I introduced you with Aaron Neville. That, that's not how I got introduced. No, I know. No, how I introduced you into the show. Oh, yeah. But that oh, song... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...is unbelievably chart-topping. Yeah, was that... That wasn't in uh, Robin Hood. Was that the that song was in Brian, Robin Hood? No, that was Brian Adams. That song is unfucking believably great. Which one? The Aaron Neville, Linda Ronstadt. Because those are arguably two of the greatest voices ever right there. No, for sh- for sure. I mean, you... Aaron Neville always just confused... I always... Anytime I would see him sing, it, it like, was so bizarre to me because I'm like, this big fucking bear-looking dude that looks like he could smash you Well, it's weird has because... this incredible fucking delicate voice. Yeah, it's, like, it's kind of like a bigger black dude. <laughs> he's, Aaron... ma- he's a monster. Yeah, but then when he sings, you're like, 
Yeah, it's it's so it's crazy. Like so, there's two songs there. I don't know much, yeah. but I know no, I, I love, love you. you. And then All My Life with her and Aaron Neville. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. The same album, Cry Like a Rainstorm, How Dude, that, the that album was fucking huge. My mom used to wear the fuck out of that thing. So Aaron Neville was interviewed in this documentary, and they said, like, the studio execs were like, told us, like, if you want to sell this song in the music video, you have got to make it real. Like, make your love real in that music video. So he's like, hey, Linda, let's let's make it real in the music video. So like it like kind of stroke home because in the music video it's like them looking in each other's eyes and you really feel yeah. the love. So it's crazy. But also she, Linda Ronstadt had a uncanny ability to redo songs, like cover songs, yeah. made them better. Um, kind of like It's So Easy by Buddy Holly. Or uh, When Will I Be Loved? She also did that Buddy Holly oh. song. Yeah, she, she did crazy ones. Like, It's So Easy became a chart-topping hit again. Um, the Track of My Tears was also a big hit for her, which was a remake, right? Well, and I then, just, you know, if I was just looking up who all she's worked with. It, so, and I have to talk about Heat Wave. I mean, that's such a different song for her, right? Yeah, she's always done different weird shit. But, like, she worked with Bette Midler, Billy Eckstein, Frank Zappa, uh, Rosemary Clooney, Philip Glass, Warren Zevin, Emmylou Harris, Graham Parsons, Dolly Parton, Neil Young, Paul Simon, Johnny Cash, Nelson Riddle. Well, you know that you Earl know that, that trio album that they did with Emmylou Harris, Dolly Parton, Parton, and Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, it won awards. Phenomenal, because it's phenomenal. Right. No, it's so good. Um, and so Dolly, of course, is interviewed in this documentary, and she talks like, yeah... Working with Linda Ronstadt, she's like, you know, like I have my voice and I'm going to sing it the same way. But Linda had this, uh, like this ability to like, no, you got to do it over and do it this way. This will sound better. And they would like, okay, I'm going to sing it the same way. Dolly's like, I'm going to sing it the same way, but you know what you're looking for. Yeah. And so Linda was on a different level than she, somebody just Linda, Ron- Linda Ronstadt is like the Jimi Hendrix of the those types of female, females. Uh, singers, female right. singers. Yeah, she's the Hendrix. She's the Hendrix of singers, female singers. Female, yeah, no, she like is. in the rock cat in the rock spectrum. Right, no, for she's sure. Untouchable. She's absolutely untouchable. But it's crazy. Like you work with composer Philip Glass, and then you do a span a Latin album and yeah. a country album and a rock album. Like yeah. it does, and she just loves music. You know, other artists have tried to do this, and none of them succeeded she's i can't succeed. think of one yeah she's succeeded in everything every aspect of it what do you think that is she's honest and it's real like it's she's not being anything that she's not right so this the stone ponies they have that that really good song it was like it was a different drum right they, they have quite a that that is one but they've got some cool and it's just cool she have to go if you've never heard it listen to it yeah, it's really good that's she's really young there too like that yeah, was maybe. in the, the mid-60s. I was going to say, I think she's like 16 or something. Yeah, and you've heard the song Different Drum. Uh, but yeah, it, it's crazy. And then after that, she went to the solo career, and just everybody wanna, wanted to play with her. She was performing shows with Jackson Brown, the Eagles, Toots, and the Matals. Uh, Toots and the Matals. That's a reggae group. We, there you go. That's another one. That's what I'm saying. She just, she's, a, she's a fucking genuine 
true, no bullshit talent. Like it's she's she's not she's never tried to jump on a fucking trend. I can assure she's doing you her of own that. thing, and then uh, it's unbelievable. And she did that musical, uh, the Pirates of Panzance with Chris Klein, not Chris Klein. Um, fuck, <laughs> not not the dude from American Pie. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking Klein, about. Klein, uh, the actor Klein, he's in In and Out and uh, Dave, the president movie. Not Chris Klein. Fuck. I don't know, man. Um, I can't remember. Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. There you Calvin. go. Calvin. Calvin. You, uh, you have it written in your underwear. <laughs> Kevin Klein. Yeah, the Pirates of Panzance, which was a Gilbert and Sullivan play, which she was a huge fan of Gilbert and Sullivan stuff. Um, did you ever get to see her? No, I never saw her. I do all, she, she did the, you know, she's on Neil Young Harvest, and then she's also on that one that came out in the early 90s called Which one was that? Harvest Moon. Yeah. That's a really fucking great one, too. But oh, man. Yeah, no, I never got to see her. Ugh, I would have liked to have. It's, I would have seen her good. done anything. If she wanted to get up there and sing Kumbaya for an hour, I would have paid to see that. She probably would make you cry, too. And I had no idea that I forgot that Ronstadt played with uh, Paul Simon uh, in Graceland. Yeah, she's on, dude. She's on like some of the most iconic albums ever. And just I guess, lending her voice. Then you listen to her music, and you're like, God, it's just as fucking good. It's it's crazy. Um, so let I gotta read this to you. Um, the album design for What's New by designer Kosh was unlike any of her previous disc covers. It showed Ronstadt in a vintage dress lying on a shimmering satin sheets with a Walkman headset. At the time, Ronstadt received some some chiding for both the album cover and her venture into what was considered elevator music by Cynics, but remained determined to record with Riddle and What's New became a hit. The album was released in September 1983 and spent 81 weeks on the Billboard album chart and held the number three position for a month and a half, which held out uh, of the top spot only by Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah. If you think about that, Michael Jackson's Thriller, the only other song was her song? Great, crazy. Yeah, well, and it's fucking like, you know, that's an album she did with a huge, massive, big band string section. You know, it's yeah. like a fucking full-blown orchestra jazz band type thing. Right. And so I did not, I did not, I have not listened to this, but in 2004, Ronstadt released a a jazz album called Humming to Myself from Verve Records. In 2004? uh Uh-huh. Yeah, because I think she stopped, what, in like 2007, it said? Yes, with her stuff. So I am curious to give that a shout, but... Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that. um, I would like to, but... What I mean, I, I, how, where do you go from here? She was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2014, uh, which is great, and of course she should be there. And if you talk about her personal life. She um, she was with the governor of California back in the late 70s, Jerry Brown, which became a huge topic of discussion. Yeah, and then in 1983, Linda Ronstadt. Dated Jim Carrey for a year, and then she was engaged to to George Lucas. Yes, yeah, that's that's crazy. It's insane. Uh, I mean, and this was she from 1983 to 1988. She was with George Lucas, and that was kind of like right at the end of Return of the Jedi. So, I mean, 
See what the, are you talking about here, you know? See the Jedi. It, it, it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's still alive. She's still doing it. She's still doing stuff with family. Her uh, kids play music. And she's won tons of Grammy Awards, including the Latin Grammy. She's gotten Tony Awards, uh, Emmy Awards. Like, eh, it's crazy. She's the shit. Um, Linda Ronstadt, please find her albums. They're really easy to find, unfortunately. Go listen to them on Spotify so she doesn't get paid. Yeah, there you go. Because they, they won't pay her. No, you, you'll be able to find uh, Linda Ronstadt usually in music stores. But yeah, her stuff is great. Well, yeah, fuck, they sold a lot of fucking copies of those albums, man. Yes, they do. Yes, they did. Um, but yeah, the, and look up the Stone Ponies. I think you'll really like them. This is the 60s Stone Ponies, right? <laughs> Early 70s, late late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. So good stuff. So, yes, uh, we want you to go look up Sir Mix-a-Lot and yeah. Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, good combo. And Limp Biscuit. Not really. I'm nauseous now. I'm nauseous now. All right, this is the end of the episode. Um, the Unbalanced Note podcast. We made it. Find us on Spotify, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. I'm Brian Kluger, and of course, I'm with Jacob Douglas, the man, the myth, the legend. The legend. The best movie ever, the legend. All right, we'll see you next time.